first reading is taken from the book of Exodus, starting at chapter 5, verse 22, and running through to chapter 6, verse 12, and can be found on page 62 and 63 of the Pew Bibles. God promises deliverance. Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought trouble upon the, this people? Is this why you have sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they lived as aliens. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with a mighty act of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and the cruel bondage. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go, uh, go out of his country. But Moses said to the Lord, If the Israelites won't listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me, since I speak with faltering lips? This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading today is from the New Testament. It's from Matthew 4, verses 12 to 17, and can be found on page 968 in the Bible. Jesus begins to preach. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. 
From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is the word of the Lord. Easier for God so that he can help other people. Wow, how can pride get in? And it's always a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful lesson that when anything goes differently from what you expect, go back to God. It's not actually a very happy interview at all. In fact, it's, it's, it's so different that Mary can't, Moses can't even believe that has the same God. Adam mentioned last Sunday a lesson which Wendy and I have learned many, many, many times in our own lives and watching God at work in other people. That when you step out by faith, Satan is going to do all he can to wreck and to ruin that faith. And Moses and Aaron had gone back to Egypt, they'd gone to Pharaoh, they thought it was going to be so wonderful, and tomorrow, guys, we're going to leave Egypt, and it wasn't going to be like that. Remember the story, one busy, 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 busy day in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the evening, he says to the disciples, come on, let's go into the boat. We'll get across and go to the other side of the lake. And they do that. And they take Jesus with them. And after a while, oh, no, I don't know if Jesus snored, but he went fast asleep in the back of the boat. They were where they were told to go. <clears throat> they were doing what they were told to do. And they had the Lord Jesus Christ with them. And you'd have thought it would have been plain rowing across to the other side of the lake, wouldn't you? But no. There's a fearful storm. Whether it was natural environment or Satan-inspired, I don't mind but they feared for their lives. And they woke him up, and they asked him what to me is the most blasphemous question has anyone has ever asked God. Don't you care? Can you imagine? Saying that to God, the disciples did. I love the book of Jeremiah, here is a man who labored for God for 40 years, and he never saw any good coming from his prophetic work under God's inspiration. He was obedient to God, and he hated doing God's work. Let me read you from chapter 19 of Jeremiah. You deceived me, Lord, 
and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. And he's proclaiming the message that God had given him. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. Cursed be the day I was born. This is Jeremiah talking to God. Cursed be the day my mother bore me. <clears throat> Cursed be the man who brought my father the news, who made him very glad, saying, A child has been born to you, a son. May that man be like the towns the Lord overthrew with, without pity. May he hear wailing in the morning and a cr battle cry at noon, for he did not kill me in the womb with my mother as my grave, her womb enlarged forever. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow to the end and to end my days in shame? This is God's prophet talking with God. I say it reverently, don't understand this blasphemously, but <clears throat> tell me, if you were God, what would be your response to Jeremiah? I love this because I was reading through the book of Jeremiah in my own quiet times at Oak Hill before I was ordained. And I just love the next verse in the Bible. Cursed be the day that I was born, etc., etc. And the very next verse is, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. That's the God that you and I are dealing with, you and I, when we fail him. I doubt if anyone here has ever got to feeling suicidal. That was Jeremiah's position. Guess what the Lord told him that word that he was to go and proclaim was? Tell the people, this is what the Lord says, see, I'm setting before you the way of life and the way of death. It's the same loving God, the same loving way that God dealt with Moses. After Moses' complaint, God's response is, now you will see what I will do. I am the Lord. Four times in the passage that was read to us, we get that phrase, I am the Lord. I've just been reading a book by John MacArthur, <clears throat> a brilliant Bible expositor in American. And he's saying within our, he's in America, but I think the thing is true also in this country. Within our churches, thousands of people are hearing that they need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. He says, that's wonderful. But he said, half the message of the gospel of Christ is being left out. We need to come to Jesus as Lord. 
I am the Lord. And the book of Exodus has the revelation of God's name to his people. He hasn't told it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, or any of the previous people, but he reveals it to Moses. And talking to the Israelites, through Moses, God looks back to show he is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And thus he is the God who keeps his promises. And the record in the rest of the book shows us that this promise-keeping God continues to be faithful. He is the Lord, and it's the Lord who's in charge, not Pharaoh. Do you know, I think it would be almost a laugh a minute reading the next verses if it weren't such part of the holy word of God. Again and again and again, as we shall hear in the coming weeks, Moses goes into the presence of Pharaoh and says, let my people go. Let them go. And then there's another plague and another plague and another plague. God's promises to redeem his people is so exciting. And the people weren't ready to trust it, to believe it. And Moses and Aaron stumbled. But the Lord is not only going to redeem Israel from slavery in Egypt, but he's going to lead them to a promised land, that flowing with milk and honey. Tim Chester has written a book on Exodus, which Neil has given each of us who are given the joy and the privilege of preaching through this series, all about Exodus, a guy called Tim Chester. Get hold of it. It's well worth reading, and then you won't need to come to the next 10 Sundays. No, 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 no. Um, read it and see um, how well we keep to the script. But Tim Chester is saying the people did not have to fight for the promised land. And you think, you scratch your head, and you say, well, the second half of the book of Joshua, there's all sorts of fighting going on. The big word is that I want you to go into the land and possess it. Are you a Christian? Are you struggling? I don't know that I've met any Christians who at some time in their lives are not struggling seriously. Oh God, where are you? You brought me into this boat. Why is there this storm? Wake up! We often get to points where we feel like that. But he is a God who keeps his promises. This passage of verses 7 and 8 in in the passage that was read to us. Go home and read it again. Exodus chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, page 62 in your Bibles. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And with mighty acts of judgment, I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. 
who brought you out of under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. So what? For you and me on the 9th of February 2020, three and a half thousand years after the history that we're reading about, so what? It's a nice story. It's been made into countless films. It was recorded that Winston Churchill studied the life and leadership of Moses deeply during the Battle of Britain and the early years of the Second World War. So what for you and me, February 20? In writing to the church at Colossae, Paul wrote this. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, my friends, we're talking about your sin and mine. He's taken it away, nailing it to his cross. I love this next verse. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me, Jesus yelled out. But a little while later, in faith in that same loving God, he commended his spirit to him. And the old version of the Bible says he gave up the ghost. He trusted God above everything else. And now... The cross is empty. When you're wondering what God is doing, when you doubt his kindness, when you're struggling to trust him, when life gets harder rather than better, look to the cross. you're struggling to obey God and I struggle you don't need more willpower you need to know God more it was to the church at Rome that Paul wrote this what shall we say then in response to these things What's your response as you sit there this morning? Some of you have been Christians for 40, 50, 60 years. And I'll bet if I was to speak to you, you'd say, I'm still struggling. Some of you may have only become Christians very recently. What shall we say if God is for us? Who can be against us?
but there's Pharaoh. It's all right. I've got it all in control. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Have you committed your life into his hands? and bowed before him as saviour, that he took away your sin? Is Jesus Lord of you, of your life today? Not the person sitting next to you or behind you, you. Is he Lord of your family? Is he Lord of your household? Is he your Lord when you get on the bus and go into or out of town? Then nothing, absolutely nothing, is outside his control. He promises to care for you. O God, our loving Heavenly Father, I thank you for St. Jude's Church and your blessing to this church over hundreds of years. Well, dozens of years, certainly. And Lord, you know where we are at the moment, longing to know who you're going to send as our next leader in the power of your Holy Spirit. You know each one of us, Lord, and if there's any struggling here, because they don't understand what you're saying in their lives at the moment. Grant us, each one, to search you out, to refocus our eyes on the fact that the cross is empty and that you are for us. We worship you.